Bones are amazing things. They hold us up. They support us. They make us strong. But bones have other uses. In the past, bones were thrown by diviners, seeking out the mysteries of the future. Now the bones are cubes, made of plastic or resin. But they still reveal things to us, as they fall from our fingers and rattle across the table. The story becomes clear. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater, an RPG actual play podcast. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater for this commentary edition of our Capers One Shot. I am Aaron, and I was GM for this session. I'm Johnny, and I played James Bones. I'm Jordan, and I played Leon Whisper Scarpetti. I'm Jeff, and I was playing Brando Marks. And I'm Jeremy, and I was playing Tommy Mouse Marone. Yeah. Oh, no, I really like the system. Yes, Um, the system is enjoyable. It's fun. Yeah, I think it keeps things moving really well. Again, this is from Nerd Burger Games, and they have a ton of expansions up. You were saying there was like a uh, like a Halloween kind of themed one as uh, well. So there's Capers, Capers Noir, Capers Covert, Capers Off World. So Covert sounds cool. Yeah. So it's like, you know, spider spy type stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's different eras. So Capers Noir is the 40s, and then Capers Covert is the 60s, the height of the Cold War. Yeah. So some fun stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was really good. What do you guys think of the Christmas themed fun? <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. It was. It was absurd. It was kind of absurd, and we talked about this a little bit uh, in between episodes, right before we did the commentary. That it's a Christmas like feel good like story, but at the same time, it's got almost like wanton killing and destruction. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if anybody's seen the early early Bruce Willis movie Hudson Hawk. If it weren't for the violence and the language, it would be a kid's movie. Yeah. It's a kind of slapstick kind of thing, but still like violent and destruction, mm-hmm. but it's it's ridiculous, which is kind of what tonight felt like. Like you got the mob trying to save Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, the night the mob saves Christmas. <laughs> I, I actually stole the idea the streets. from a movie. Uh, I watched the movie Christmas Chronicles. Oh, Netflix yeah. uh, oh. the other day, which is similar but not yeah. really. Instead, Santa gets uh, arrested, and it's uh, like two kids who have wrecked his sleigh who are supposed to be helping him save Christmas. Um, There's a ton of movies where something happens to Santa and somebody else has to so- help save Christmas. Yeah, was it? Wasn't it also when Ernest saves Christmas? Ernest yes. saves Christmas. And, uh, yeah. Santa Paws. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a ton there's of them. A Santa Paws with dogs? Yes. It's for the buddies. I, think. I know yeah. what I'm watching tomorrow. I think there's two of them. Yes, Santa there are two of them. Santa Paws 2. Ah, <laughs> oh, the parents know these things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this, yeah. is, this is true. Yeah, I, we watched that last weekend. So we, we've been watching Christmas movies because it's Christmas. And Elizabeth has been choosing romance sappy ones and I was I've been eyeing Christmas Chronicles for like a month and a half now and so I finally had the excuse to watch it that's a fun story yeah it's a fun story Good. Uh-huh. you know honestly I feel like I enjoy what we do in our normal campaigns but we get dark and we get oh, yeah and we don't get absurdist very much mm-hmm. so sometimes having a game where you just do like a beer and pretzels type of 
session is a, a lot of fun and it's a pretty it, good amount yeah, of stress it's a, relief. it's a breather yeah oh yeah yeah I mean, you say that like we weren't getting dark in this one. <laughs> well, I mean, we were yeah. violent. We were not dark. No, it was violent, but it wasn't dark. I would agree with that. It wasn't like I'm going to off myself. Um, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would agree. I, it was violent, but not dark. It was very campy. Yeah. Campy well, was fun. It wasn't as campy as some Space of the other stuff we did, like uh, Cosmic Patrol. Yeah, that, was, oh, yeah. that was very campy, but it was... I see, I, I mean, loved that it one. It was like 50 sci-fi. It's supposed to be it was, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was excellent it was for what it was. See, I would love to do a campaign of that one. That would be an interesting campaign. It would be hard to maintain the flavor of it. It would be. That's the game where the actual mechanic is that you pass the GMing from person to person. Uh, we didn't do it that we, way. We though. didn't do that before the one shot, but you can do that. That sounds like fun. It would be fun. Wasn't uh, Swords Without Master also supposed to be similar? Swords Without Master is... It can get weird. Um, yeah, like, as far as who is in control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Certain yeah. aspects. Like, you can... Um, the way that the dice work in that game, you roll to see who has control of the narration rather oh, okay. than what is actually... You're not determining what happens with the dice rolls. You're determining who gets to say what happens. Which makes it a little interesting. I had a chance to actually do a one shot at a convention of Swords Without Master after we played it, yeah. and it really illuminated some things about the game that I think I had kind of mangled when we tried it. But yeah, you can have like different games that give narrative control to people, but um, Cosmic Patrol is one where you deliberately pass the con- narrative control, like GMing responsibilities from one player to another. That's what make it episodic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was supposed to be that from scene to scene. From scene to scene, yeah. So I think with Cosmic Patrol, if you were going to do a campaign of that, it would have to be like the shorter episodes. Mm -hmm. Like, here's your discreet adventure for the week kind of thing. Yeah, Hmm. yeah. Which we were talking about that earlier. That doesn't match our play style as well, or at least my GMing style that well. Well, yeah, no, it's great for one-shots, but for an extended campaign... There's not the the big stories and the character growth and development is I think what we at least have been focusing on. Mm-hmm. I think we tend to enjoy that. Yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, it's been a lot yes. of fun having somebody else GM. I will give you that. Good. I had a lot of fun being ridiculous. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed that I didn't have the idea of getting Molotov cocktails when we were at some place with more alcohol. Of speakeasy, speakeasy where we started. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and I'm actually kind of glad because I wouldn't have known how to how to handle a Molotov cocktail, as far as what it would. Similar to a grenade. Well, not not, not well, in the twenties. Really. I mean, there's no grenade reference in the yeah. book. They don't have and any. As a of... as a fledgling GM, it is a little bit easier being able to say no, you can't do that. Then sure, let's do that and make it up as as we go. And there's one thing about the system that I know we. Jordan talked about, I don't don't think it was in session, I thought it was in between, where the cards, the aspect of the cards was great in, I know a lot of times when we're doing the D6 system, we're saying, all right, what's the target number? So we know what we got to hit for here. It's almost like there's a mystery. You don't know uh-huh. the number that you got to hit. You, eventually you can figure it out, but you don't know the number that you got to hit. So you're taking a chance. You flip a, a nine, you're like, uh... I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it at that nine. Oh, you missed! It's like, oh dang it! Well, and and technically, with D six, we could be doing that. You know, Jordan could say, "I don't know, roll and find out." Yeah, uh, but 
I, and I do say that sometimes, but it, when there's an actual target number to a, accomplish something, uh-huh. a lot of times I'll say, oh yeah, the target number is X or Y. I've kind of backed away from that a little bit. I think I did that more in Terra Proximus and Angel's Guard than I do in Empire of War. Empire of War. Element of War. What's Empire of War? Don't you want to know? Is that our next campaign? <laughs> what have I been missing? <laughs> right? Sorry. Sometimes in the D6 system, you kind of have to know. Yeah. yeah. Because there's the whole aspect of your, your fate points. Correct. Where you have to declare Determine beforehand. Yeah, beforehand. If you need it, so you got to know, am I going to possibly potentially need it because this is a high roll that I need to make? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Whereas this one, it's totally chance. Right. So and you, and you can decide whether you want to stop or not. Right. So. And one of the things that I like about it is there will never be a target so high that it is not possible for you to hit it with what you have in front of you. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like for D6, you know, if you need to double your die, uh, like let's say you start with four die and it's a target of 60. You know you're not going to be able to hit that. It can not be done. <laughs> it can be done, but it's... Yeah, that's a boatload of extra sixes on that wild I night. did it once in Star Wars. <laughs> I think I was there for that night. Yeah, we were just like, oh my god! Yeah. When it happens, it's kind of like a landmark moment yeah. in the yeah. campaign, but... Yeah, and here you you know that everything is within reach, yes. and it might be a couple flips of cards away. I loved the Moxie. Yes, yeah. Moxie is a great mechanic. I think what I what I realized towards the end is that it should be handed out like candy. We should be passing the Moxie back and forth, and then, which is probably why it has the tracker on the sheet rather than yeah. tokens. Because you, if you're tracking your Moxie and you're earning your Moxie back and forth the way you probably could be, that and boons it would probably keep things moving really good. Yeah. Like there was, there was a time where we're already into the hotel scene and I'm looking at my sheet and I'm like, Oh, I could have narrated something a little bit differently and probably ended up with a moxie. Yeah. Like the third, my identity is thrill seeker. So in the warehouse scene, when you were asked like, can you see the roof? It's like, yeah, I can see the roof. It's like, wait, I could have said, no, I see 30 feet in the air on the edge of the roof and dive into Santa <laughs> and hopefully come out with enough momentum to make it onto the roof. And that, and that would have been like a moxie. <laughs> yeah, it, it's all about like the moxie kind of pushes your narration right. uh-huh. to be a little bit more adventurous. And I loved that in the last episode that we did where I'm like, okay, I'm going to play Dignity to the Nines and... Mm-hmm. I give this whole monologue about what's going on in my head and then like the Muppet running across the room. Yeah. It's similar to some other aspects like many six when you take your complications yeah. and your things like that, where you at some point are going to make a conscious choice to do something that is detrimental to your yeah. goal yeah. for whatever. Like when mm-hmm. Tommy was fighting Billy. In the, in the lobby and then decided I'm going to take a turn and not do anything just to make sure my hair is good. Yeah. 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 And you know, like I, and it probably was just for our game tonight. Like, but like my character, it was really hard to do the things to collect the moxie. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. You know, I had, uh, changed somebody's opinion. Oh yeah. You yeah. could have changed. Well, opinion. you know, especially since there was so much combat. Yeah. Uh, there, if that was, yeah. The pacifist, you don't want to kill. Uh, you had you. You did a lot actually with that. You yeah. knocked a lot of people out. And then the greedy and envious of all those people. Yeah. Like I say, it's just for this tonight's for campaign. Tonight. It just wasn't. They didn't lend itself to it. I think the anchors do work better over a longer game yeah. than yes. a single yeah. session. Well, I will say there's some of them 
that I think worked well yes. for what we had going on tonight. And some of them you could see working for a longer game. So I really like the idea of those being left up to chance. Rather I than do too. I do too. Building yeah, I like that too. Yeah. It kind of forces... Well, it's it it's a good exercise as a role player. It forces you to, oh, this is not something that is going. I'm not choosing for myself. It's kind of like, oh, I've got to work this aspect in, right? And so I'm going to do my best at it, yeah. right? And you kind of commented on that, and it's like, because I think you set up the Aaron, you set up the campaign for the story for us, expecting us not to be so bold and go. Into yeah, things. no, I right, right, and but then I'm looking at my identity. I was like, Thrill Seeker. Oh, he's just going to go in, yeah. and do, which is not anything that any of my characters probably would have done. Yeah, <laughs> my long term characters would have done. Right. So yeah, so it caused me to play this character a little bit differently, which I guess not knowing what would be chosen for people's identities, I mean, you, you kind of set it up for this is how we typically play. So, which is the, the way I built the characters was kind of like, I tried to think through how we would typically run something. Yeah. I think it was funny. You guys were calling me silver tongue because in the long running D and D campaign, I was a part of on Friday nights. My character's name was Iada Silvertongue. So I was like, oh, well, oh, you, well I called you Silvertongue ironically at first. Well, yeah. no, it wasn't because you had your skills for yeah, your character yeah, yeah. were kind of that you were going to be the, the schmoozer. The face and, guy. Yeah. 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 But then in the first chance you had, you kind of like threw everybody under the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <Not on laughs> I know it wasn't on purpose, but at the well, same time when... You said, "Oh, we're working for the Russos," and then we're like, you had to but back. This is a finale. But you had to backstep, and then you started to say, "No, we messed up the the Russos." And then my character and Jeff's character are the ones that oh, have yeah. the traits that are like loyal to loyal the and reliable. Uh, to we're, we're like, what do we do with this? I, was, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> that was great. So, I totally expected Jeff, you to sit, pipe up and say something. Yeah, and I was like, I was well, we're going to have to fight this and fight our way out of this. So that, that, that was, that was kind of awkward because my head cannon was, you know, if I'm this guy who's going around getting himself into trouble and feeling all the pain, my thought was that when I found out that Jesse was a girl, my thought was that I had been dating her on the side. And so... <laughs> See, I, I could tell that that's where you were going with it. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't because... Jesse is actually uh, Olio's girl. Albert, the guy you get. Albert's girl. Yeah, I didn't know that. That would have been perfect for my character, though, from <laughs> right. a Moxie perspective. Yeah. So my plan was to walk in and go, oh, yeah, she knows me. We're She's my girl. You know, and, but then uh, she didn't recognize you. Yeah. <laughs> I like how the first half of the evening was a lot more role-playing and acting. And, and then things just and kept then on things ratcheting up. kept ratcheting up to nothing but flipping cards and... <laughs> And shooting guns and killing people. Nah, that, was, that was good. I know, Aaron, you came with characters like halfway pre-made. I appreciated that. Which was, yes, which is yes. great. I'd be interested to know um, how they're actually built. Like, was there a so, list of powers that you could choose yes. from? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, And you could choose the different boosts that you wanted? Okay. So your abilities are from a list... Your traits, you get one as a one, one as a three, and then the rest are twos. That's how everybody okay. starts out. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's I was <laughs> noticing that. But then the, the powers, it's got a huge list of powers or perks if you're an exceptional, and then a bunch of boosts within those powers. 
Okay. And again, if we if this were something larger, if it were a campaign, you can always build your own. You can design your own powers, depending on how free or how open you want to get. So, like for the ones that we had, were there more boosts available than were played with? Yes. Okay. In some cases, many more. Oh. And I assume that as you go on with that character, maybe you could spend stuff to add those. Yes. Yeah, through advancement, you can get quite yeah. a bit of. And that's what the second page is: is room for extra, extra equipment, extra equipment, extra boosts. powers, extra boosts, and then each of those, you know, it costs a different number of AP. You earn two AP per level, and it takes two AP to level up one of your traits or one of your powers. You know, that's kind of how it works. I really liked how you allowed us to like customize like the look of our gear. To me, that was a lot of fun because it was like, oh, what matches my personality as uh-huh. this snappy dresser? Oh, I'm going to have a walking stick with a crystal ball on it. Yeah, and some of it was laziness on my part, and some of it was deciding that you guys probably are going to have better ideas for the character that you're wanting to play by the end of the night. So, But I just wanted some generic, you know, some of the really quick stuff, as well as this really involved stuff, like choosing the powers. Yeah. Because... That can take some time to sort through and all choose them. Yeah. I mean, there's probably 20 different minor powers and each with five to seven different uh, boosts and then probably about as many major powers. So for everyone to try to look through and, and pick those those powers and those boosts, figure let's let's build something that's going to work yeah. for the session. It would have been great if uh, there had been some elves who had betrayed Santa or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fun. Well, you kind of know how how Jordan has been GMing because when we got to the penthouse, I think all of us, Johnny may have even said it, were expecting this double cross or something that was <laughs> inside of that room. Yeah, there's a Fernelli inside of the room. Either there's a Fernelli yeah. and, and no, the Russos are actually inside oh, of yeah, the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I asked. Are there any voices yeah. that we recognize? Oh, yeah, Jordan, <laughs> you were the one that said this. And it, it, that wouldn't even cross my mind. <laughs> oh, it would have crossed my mind. I, I actually thought of it too before Jordan said it. Actually, that was like one of the first things I thought. Like, right after the warehouse, I'm like, okay, I know the warehouse here, I've never space, but how do we know that this isn't actually a Russo plot? <laughs> well, yeah, and that's why Tommy. And he rescued Santa, just removed the bag, saw uh-huh. it like Santa, <laughs> yep. and put the bag back over Santa. him. Because we didn't, weren't told anything. It's exactly. like, we think they may have captured Santa. It might be Santa. If it is, we need to get him back. So Tommy's thinking, all right, check to see if it looks like Santa. If it is, we're just going to take him to the Russos. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was my plan, too. Like, once you have him, like, yeah, we don't have to keep a mask in the show. Let's take him to the Russos. Let's take him to the boss. I was like, boss wants to know if this is really Santa. Let's uh-huh. let him figure it out. That was, that was <laughs> no, it looks like Santa to me. That's why I was like, should we call the boss about all those plans before we go anywhere? <laughs> I'm glad I searched the office, though, because if we hadn't searched the office, yeah. the address for the hotel wouldn't have popped up. Uh, yeah, I had some other thoughts on that. Okay, okay, okay. Or get you somewhere close. <laughs> Especially if we didn't search the office and we never ungag Santa. And then they'll be like, so you <laughs> idiots, where's his bag? We got Santa. <laughs> <laughs> we would have figured it out. Oh my god. I like how I made the comment, so now we gotta find your bag, right? <laughs> Aaron turns to me and goes, Have you read my notes? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I just assumed the bag was still in the sleigh. <laughs> no, because he was delivering presents. So the bag was, of course, on his back. I was assuming there was some kind of twist that was coming at that point. Okay, we got Santa. That was too easy. What happened now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And back to how characters are created, because one of the things that I was noticing, and we I think we said this in-game a little bit, because Jeff's character, he had all the moxie. Oh, my God. Like, uh-huh. like all the, because it was so easy for him to get moxie. And then my character, as a actual caper and not a, what are they called? Exceptional. Exceptional. Just the free will use of your power kind of makes it, the way Jeff was getting moxie and the way I was using the power, mm. uh, we were a little overpowered. I honestly, I think, because I think that's what led to, oh, you weren't supposed to rescue Santa here. Because I kept just like dimension stepping until I right. caught up with him and was able to do something about it. So... I wonder if there's any actual restrictions on mashing the powers. Right. So, I know there's supposed to be on Trem Gear, but it also talks about the difference between permanent Trem Gear, which is what the Exceptionals have, and, let's say, if I just give Trem Gear to a regular, because that's the third type of NPC, is the regulars. And it talks about only a certain number of uses. It really doesn't discuss, for capers, I did not see something about a certain certain number of uses. I also am curious about the different types. Because, yes, when it's a free action, it can definitely become overused. Yeah, because at one point when I was fighting the, uh, the gangster, Billy, I was just thinking, oh, I'm just going to keep dimension stepping behind him. Yeah. Just force blast him every time I dimension step, and he's going to be at what? Where'd he go? <laughs> Where, where'd he go? And it's like, and I don't have to ever flip a card for anything. Right. Other than, oh, this is your damage. Oh, this is your damage. So, I'd be interesting to see if there's a way to balance out that type of stuff. I liked playing villains in this game. I'm wondering, like, what it would be like to being, to play the cops who are trying to capture them. So, and it, it does give you that, that option. And to either play as... And then it, it, it's the same ideas. Capers could still become law enforcement. Okay. Or, you know, let's say you're an ex-caper who then got recruited. Caper um, lawyer. That would be maybe interesting, an interesting game or story to play mm-hmm. where you were only allowed to play as regulars. Oh. In the caper world, and you had to... So then if you want powers, you have to get through trim gear. Yeah, you have or, to come across some trim gear somehow. Yeah. So one of the things that I thought would find a limitation on that is your traits are hard capped at three as a regular and as an exceptional. Whereas as a caper, you have the ability to get the power to do it. As an exceptional, you have the ability to get the trend gear to, to raise your traits above that, up to a max of five. Hmm. So that would make it difficult because there were some of the NPCs that are listed here in the book that have target defense of ace so you're not hitting them unless you unless you roll an ace so let's say that was another question so you that's the number that you have to flip so it's like if my body is nine it has so to be a nine or higher nine or higher yes it doesn't have to beat the body it has to match it yeah okay so like this this exceptional that has a body of jack <laughs> jack black or <laughs> the body of jack <laughs> Um, or Jack Bauer. <laughs> very different. Very different bodies for very different functions. And those are just exceptionals, not even... I'll take Jack Black for one. 
So when you're when you're talking some of these capers, body queen, yeah, it can get really difficult to start hitting some of these. Yeah, yeah. Which would be part of the thrill. Yeah. But all in all, like I said, I, I really like the system. I probably butchered some of the rules, but it was still fun. Was One shots are a little more lenient with rules than yeah. full-on campaigns. Yeah. I don't know how many times we realized halfway through, it was like, oh, we should have been doing this. Uh-huh. Well, even after extended periods in the campaigns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, was it was halfway through season two of uh, Elements of War. It's like, uh, we should be rolling perception for <laughs> uh, initiative, <laughs> not agility. Because it was agility in mini, mini six, six, so we had just rolled with it. That's what you get from switching from one system to another, and they're almost nearly yeah. identical. Yeah. You're going to have some issues. But thank you for bringing a new game to the table. Yeah, oh, it was fun. And you said, fun. you said that they've done another game that you're interested in yeah, as well? Yeah, so I've actually, I got this as an add-on to another one that I backed called Good Strong Hands. Good from Strong Never Hands. Hands. Probably. Yes. Um, so it is a, must play. It yes. is a dark fantasy yep. Build your world collaboratively, and, and I'll tell you what. When this, when, so I have the PDF now. I got that a couple of days ago. So when we, when I actually get the book, we'll definitely pull that out for a one yes. shot. All right. So that's on the list to play as a one shot. And then there was the one that was the Stargate. Did you back RPG. that? No, but we should play that because I don't know how many times we have referenced Stargate. <laughs> Usually, it's just me and Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> and then reference Stargate, especially during Terra Proximus. Yeah, so for good, strong hands, it'll be an exciting one. I backed Kingdom by uh, Ben Robbins, the same guy who did Microscope. He's released Ooh. a second edition of a, his oh. game, Kingdom. Um, and Kingdom's a lot of fun. And then I got a uh, game called Shiver, role-playing in the strange and unknown. So another... <laughs> that sounds like up your... Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's, that's kind of my jamming strength is actually horror. Uh, and then Zeno Language, a game about first contact. Hmm. Where you're sounds cool. Actually, it really is pretty cool because you have a mat in the middle of the table and then a planchette, kind of like an Ouija board. Oh. And it actually involves a soundtrack, too. Hmm. Oh. Yeah, they're getting creative with some of these RPGs. Oh, definitely. Well, and, yeah, and part of the thing I don't like about the, getting creative with them is that more and more games are going to the hybrid technology systems. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm not a fan of that I, myself. I backed one game that had some stuff on it on the phone and some mm-hmm. stuff on on dice and uh, some cards that you could scan with the yeah. phone and get. Yeah, stuff. I mean, we tried. We that tried it. It didn't work out as well as I wanted. Yeah. Oh. But now they've switched it all to to be completely on the phone, and I'm like, you've lost my interest. Yeah, yeah. I like the physical aspect of games. I don't yeah. want to have to pull up. It's fine to pull up the PDF to reference things, mm-hmm. you know, but that's the extent I want my technology to be involved in my game. Mm-hmm. You know, although I think it is interesting to see how technology is changing things. Like I think virtual reality for role playing games is going to be sooner rather than later with like Oculus or something like well, that. Well, yeah, but there's going to be more first person shooter type. I don't know. I mean, like because you can do things with other people in Oculus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just like doing like tabletop simulator. simulator. Yeah. I mean, really, we could sit and play capers remotely VR or on our laptops and. uh all look like we're sitting at the same table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm imagining at some point there will be art, like tabletop RPGs that work in some kind of mechanic with that. And I hope it's a cyberpunk game. That'd be um, cool. Yeah. That, that would fly really well. At one point I wanted to run a cyberpunk Savage Worlds game, 
where you're playing cyberpunk as the standard setting, and then there's like an MMORPG that you go and play in that's actually a Weird West setting or a pirate fantasy setting. So then you jump to another Savage Worlds game setting and go with that. But anyway, no, those are conversations for other times, and we played Keepers tonight, and we really enjoyed it. It was lots of fun. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah so we had fun capering through the snowy streets of unnamed city. Chicago light. <laughs> <laughs> My knowledge of Chicago extends to 20s gangster movies and Harry Dresden. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Live long and prosper. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Feliz Navidad. Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah, yeah. Happy Kwanzaa. And any other holiday you want to celebrate this time of year. Robotic. Happy Boxing Day. And Festivus. Happy Life Day. Yes. Yes. Thank you for listening to Bone Thrower's Theater. We are releasing this podcast under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. That means you can share the podcast, but please do not modify it or try to gain financially from it. If you would like to visit our website, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater.com. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so at bonethrowerstheater at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is bonethrowerstheater. You can also look us up on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And until next time, may the bones fall ever in your favor. This has been a Nerd Circle podcast production.